Welcome into the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Overtime coming at you for the next two hours right here on Fan Run Radio. Jake Miller, producer Matthew, Bryson. We got Logan Quentin in with us for a little bit today. Brought us some crumble cookies. That Oreo cookie. Oh, my God. You realize, like, every week, you know, when I go home, the fiance and I were like, okay, what cookies are we getting this week? Dude, I might get six of those. Like, they are that good. Oh, my God. That was incredible. Appreciate you bringing those in, man. Yeah, man. I can't wait to uh, to try it out because they've had different variations of the Oreo cookie. Is it on? Am I good? There Am we I go. good now? We are good now. Yes. Uh, yeah, the Oreo cookie, man, they've had a few variations of it along the way. and that's, This is the best, man. Yeah, they're usually top-notch. Bryson, eat that cookie. Live reaction. Eat it. Unreal, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10, you heard it here. Matthew. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10, man. Absolutely. So what else we got here since we all just devoured that one cookie because everybody loves Oreos? Looks like we got a chocolate chip. A uh, classic pink sugar, a honey bun? Yes, sir. Honey bun, a raspberry donut, and this other one is, it's a different one, cowboy cookie. So it's a oatmeal cookie filled with tasty semi-sweet chips, sweetened shredded coconut, and crunchy toasted pecans. That one, that one might be next. It's loaded, man. (laughs) Like, you do realize, like, most times some people are nice and they try to leave some for the next show coming in. Uh, we're not leaving any of these here tonight. They're probably going to get destroyed by the time. I'm just glad I made tonight. it in past Bear. That That's the trick with coming into overtime. You know, if I come in on the opening segment, got to make it past Bear. Well, I mean, that's just the risk you run with trying to bring cookies or any kind of food in past Bear. And it's so weird how this works, too, because with Bear, sometimes you'll come in and he'll – be ragging the food like just absolutely be ragging it oh i don't eat that raw 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 but then you bring the food in he's like oh my russ russ do you smell that it's like yeah bear we've only been talking about it for the past three weeks as to how good it is oh man where's this place at it's like you really listen to nothing that we tell you do we do you (laughs) he never does but we're not here to 100% talk about cookies, although we could sit here and do an entire podcast and an entire show, probably an entire week on these cookies. But uh, Tennessee baseball, as we mentioned yesterday, getting ranked number two in the D1 baseball rankings to start the season right behind LSU and the SEC just kind of staying up there doing what it does with baseball. Yeah, man, uh, super excited to get – to a quick study process before we ramp things up here. I mean, we're like a month away. February 17th uh, is when they kick it off in in Arizona. Um, there's a lot to be excited for with this team. It's a basically a brand-new lineup. I mean, it really uh, is. You're I losing mean, Ben you, Joyce. You're losing Jordan Beck, you Drew have, Gilbert. Yeah, Christian Moore, Blake Burke are the guys with, you know, 100 ABs or more coming in. And that's about it. Jared Dickey was right at a, at the century mark. Uh, but I think this lineup is going to be really versatile. I really love the lefty bats in this lineup. Mm-hmm. And I think that Josh Elander and Tony V are going to be able to mix it up with some righty-lefty splits. 
you know, because there's so much versatility. I mean, you've got a switch hitter in Zane Denton. He's coming over from Alabama. I think he's going to produce much better. He was the leader in several categories for the Crimson Tide, which wasn't saying a whole lot, but I think his game is going to go to the next level in a better lineup and on a better team. Right. And, you know, it's amazing just how a change of scenery and stuff like that really just helps you out. It doesn't matter what sport it is. And, you know, with baseball, it's just one of those things. It's like if you get around a good group of guys, even though it's between you and the pitcher, every time you go to the plate, yep. it's amazing how much that team chemistry and just the change of scenery and all these guys around you can motivate you and make you just play the best game of your life on any given night. And something else that's happened in college baseball this week, um, actually probably happened last week, um, a lot of things have happened in life, as you know. But you can now pay a little bit more and have an extra paid assistant coach on the staff now. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's going to be huge. Assistants are going to be getting paid going forward. Um, that is, that's huge for a clubhouse like Tennessee where, I mean, you had to, you know, figure some things out to be able to keep Josh Elander because he yeah. had, he had a lot of prospects out there. Um, but you, you retain him. Do you go uh, back and get Ross? <laughs> I mean, you could, that's an option, but I, I'm really liking what guys like Ricky Martinez and, and Richard Jackson are doing. Right. Um, so, you know, Ricky did a great job at first base, Richard Jackson, um, has been in the program for a long time. He's sort of climbing the ladder, so to speak. And you want to do everything you can to keep that intact. Now, I think that's what Tony's done a great job over the few years. When you're you're getting better production with your players, uh, and they're going, you're getting quicker turnaround to, for guys going in in the draft. And but you're not really seeing a drop off in terms of attrition and results and everything. Uh, he's done a great job uh, keeping things intact and, and just turning the page and, and getting to the next next year's lineup, next year's coaching staff, and keep on winning at a high level. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned being able to continuously get those guys in and building the staff around him. You know, this is something else that gets brought up. And, you know, before he got here, you know, you go back to 2017, let's just look at the entire athletic department as a whole. Your football team in November of 2017 – we just fired a coach. We're about to trot out Greg Schiano, insert Jeremy Pruitt. The basketball team, we hadn't made the NCAA tournament since Conzo's last year, and that was our only appearance in the NCAA tournament since before Bruce Pearl left. And now we're sitting here, and by the way, the baseball team wasn't even thought of right. back then. You might have been lucky to get you know, 50 to 100 people in the stands to go watch a Tennessee baseball game before yep. then. Fast forward to not last season but the year before, and tickets are going for hundreds of dollars on the resale market just to get in to the regional. Yep. And then you fast forward to the super regional, and the tickets are going up more and more and more to the point where you have to have a watch party outside Lindsey Nelson Stadium in order to accommodate everybody that just wants to be a part of the atmosphere. And I think that speaks volumes to Tony by telling him what he's done just because he's taken something that was literally nothing, not yeah. even thought of, <laughs> yep. and has made it an NCAA powerhouse to the point where we might have – the best athletic department in America. Right, yeah, I, I totally agree. And and you're dealing with a park that, because of the um, the way things are laid out surrounding the the stadium, it makes it real tricky to be able to rebuild. It's not like, right. you know, uh, you've got the railroad tracks right there behind. You know, you can't eminent domain that stuff. So, um, well, It's like Call of Duty, man. You see the train yeah, coming by and you just hit yeah. it. So, um, 
and, and you got the the football practice field right there next to it. So there's a lot of factors, but I think they're doing a great job piecing things together uh, to be able to build this thing into something even bigger. And all credit to Tony V, man. It's it's wild to me that because uh, it, it's kind of happened overnight. I mean, yeah, we you know we've had the past two seasons an Omaha run. And then last season, one of the greatest base, college baseball teams we've seen, especially in the BB Core era. Um, and it, I'm excited for the future, man, because it's <laughs> the the Tennessee baseball program. Like you said, no expectations there. Just you know, five years ago. Yeah. But uh, now the bar is set really high. Like Omaha is the expectation. Exactly, and that's that's so weird to think about, just given what it was five years ago. Matthew, what you got, buddy? Logan, who's the guy we got from Kansas? The transfer over? Maui Ahuna. Okay. You, you know anything about him? Yeah, this is, uh, in terms of the college prospects, he's probably the most athletic uh, shortstop. Okay. Middle in- infielder uh, in college. Um, he, he's got some pop, got some power. He's got some range to his swing. But uh, he, he hit over 300 last year at Kansas, and he's a defensive web gem. Okay. Uh, this is uh, we're about to see the best uh, middle infielder we've seen in quite some time at Tennessee. And you know, no disrespect to some of the guys over the past couple of seasons. You know, Liam Spence was a shortstop a couple of years ago that Omaha run. Then Cortland Lawson, Jarrell Ortega, man, the infield uh, last year. Uh, but Ahuna has got a lot of range out there. Okay, and he's he's gonna his defense is is something to watch. Yeah, I, I heard a lot about him because people were shocked that he didn't like didn't get pro and that he actually yeah. transferred. So I mean, I heard about when did he transfer in the summer of last year? Some sometime. Yeah, like that? yeah, it yeah. was. He was the first. I'm pretty sure he was the first transfer that was announced. Okay, yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, can't wait to see him. He's a projected first round pick. Uh, along with Chase Dolander, um, yeah, it's I, I'm excited. It's he he's one of those that adds that versatility to the lineup. And Bryson, I think you got something as well. So I know uh, one of the few questions we have on this team would be the catcher position. So yeah, are we looking at what do you think, Jared Dickey, Charlie Taylor? I uh, have to say, Charlie right now would probably be the nod. I mean, certainly I expect Dickey to get mixed in. Um, he's just been so banged up. Uh, over the course of the year, uh, he even dealt with a wrist injury in, in the fall. Um, so, but if you can plug Dickey at DH, um, and if Charlie can, you know, just step up his game a little bit in the box, and then you've got a guy behind him with uh, Ron Miller. Uh, if those guys can kind of just platoon and keep things afloat, Charlie is a, a really good defensive catcher. You know, there's no question about that. He's a guy that can throw guys out. Uh, we haven't really seen that, you know, yeah. of late in the Tennessee program, uh, a threat there. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, Dickey is definitely going to be in the lineup. I-, I would go with DH for right now. But if, if Dickey's catching, it's either a really good sign in terms of what they think of his health um, or, you know, <laughs> maybe he's he's the best we got back there. So, um, yeah, that's that's a question mark heading in, but I would lean Taylor starting and Dickie dh at this point. Absolutely. And, Logan, uh, we always go back and forth about Tennessee basketball. And right now, you know, you've got pretty much a fan base divided. You've got some fans that absolutely love Rick Barnes, think he can't do anything wrong. And then you have guys that absolutely cannot stand Rick Barnes. Some even want him fired. 
Now, my stance on this, I'm kind of in the middle on it. It's like, you know, I'm disappointed with what we've done as far as our March success. And I'm not ready to jump ship and say fire him only because I look at who's out there. And the first question I ask is, who are you going to get? Right. And if I can't name somebody right off the top of my head that's not Nate Oates or Eric Musselman, then we might be better off just keeping what we got. Yeah, I agree. And for me, it doesn't matter a whole lot uh, this month, next month, what whether we go on a run or whether we, you know, have some disappointing losses. Just I want to make a difference in March. Yeah. And that's you know, I thought about that today, listening to some of the calls. Um, you know, it's that's really what people want to see, I think. Because even if this team stays in the top ten Maybe they get back up to the top five and stay there till the end of the regular season. At the end of the day, those people that feel good about that are still going to have the reservations come March. Right. And so, to me, get to March and make a difference. That that's really what what I'm wanting to see. Absolutely, that's going to be the deciding factor in a lot of people's minds, and a lot of people's minds are not going to change. Now, if we see a Final Four, then I'll be okay. Let's just keep Rick Barnes until he retires. Yeah. That's how exactly how I feel. And everyone keeps saying Elite Eight, Elite Eight, Elite Eight, because we've only been once, and that was under Bruce Pearl. And I think everybody in everybody's mind, it's like, okay, they can get it done. Why can't Rick Barnes? And I think that one thing that we forget about a lot of the times is the fact that the best team in the country does not always win the championship. Right. And that's not just at the collegiate level, it's at the professional level as well. Yeah, you know, We see it in baseball last year, you know, you mentioned – Tony Vitello and the Vols, probably one of the best baseball teams that we're ever going to watch. Yep. And they didn't win it all. They didn't even make it to Omaha. Yep. It's a tournament sport, man. Yeah. It's yeah, it's brutal. You got to have, and that's the one thing that this club has, man. They <laughs> they've got the defense to to you know have that wherewithal to last through the tournament through all kinds of strange matchups and and you know Cinderellas and stuff like that. They remind me a lot of that Texas Tech team uh, a few years ago that really should have won it. Yeah. It should have won that game, but Virginia came back and, and pulled it off. But, um, yeah, man, it's uh, – I don't know. It's going to be – at the same time, on the other side of the coin, you think they don't have a true point guard. Uh, the, right. They're not shooters for the most part. And we have a so, true point guard sitting over on the bench right, right now. And, right. of course, Bear is going to Bear's gonna harp on that, and everybody is going to harp on that. I'm harping on it. I have been for however many months I have now. But, you know, it's just aggravating. You know, we only had an eight-man rotation last night against Mississippi State. Of course, Zakai Ziegler, I think he finished with 24. And Julian Phillips finally had his game where it's like, okay, this is what we need out of you every single night. 18 yeah. points, 11 rebounds. Do that every night. Yeah. Do that every night, and your draft stock's going to go back up, and we wish you a great career in the NBA. Yeah. But, you know, he's got to keep that up. And that's going to be something that we look forward to here in the coming weeks, in the coming months. Logan, thank you so much for dropping in, man. If you want to hang out for a minute, you can. Stay with us. Overtime continues. More Fan Run Radio on the way. Back here on Overtime, Fan Run Radio, Jake Miller, producer Matthew Bryson, and Logan Quentin hanging out with us for a little bit. Let's go to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. TJ, the Kentucky fan, is first. What do you say, TJ? Hey, what's up, buddy? How you doing, man? I'm good. Logan brought me some cookies. I'm all good, man. Hey, I feel you, buddy. Uh, 
You know, you mentioned that Tennessee played with an eight-man rotation last night, and yeah. you know that that's all you need because here here's you know Kentucky's problem so far this year is that Cal likes to see what he's got. I guess I don't know. I, this is a bad thing, but how do you not know what you have? You practice for months before, anyways. Um, but you look at the 2012 team, Kentucky National Championship, they only had a seven-man rotation. You look at Duke with Zion, although they didn't get to the National Championship, they had a six-man rotation. Um, I feel like in college basketball, you only need six to eight guys to carry you through March. Because if you look at March, it's what well, you need six wins to win the National Championship, five to go to the Final Four, I think. I, I think it only takes six to eight. That's the magic number. I think that might be the case if you have a generational talent to be, and that's my honest take on that. And I'm not just saying that just because of guys like Anthony Davis, who was on that team, or a Zion, or you know the elite players that we've seen come through college basketball. You know, but when you don't have that star-studded first-round pick, top five lottery pick, whatever it is, you know you're going to have to get more guys in the rotation just because those core five that you have, your starting five, are not going to get it done just doing it alone. And, you know, in Tennessee's case, you know, we're without Santiago Vescovi right now. We're without Tyreek Keys. Akai Ziegler seems like his knee's still banged up. And we've got a lot of talent over there, man, and it just worries me how it's utilized. You know, we had this conversation yesterday about how you've got all these guys that have transferred out and went elsewhere. Granted, they're going down to lower-tier Division One basketball, but they're lighting it up. Likes of DJ Burns, Drew Pember, uh, Devontae Gaines you can throw in there, Victor Bailey, Justin Powell is now averaging what he was averaging at Auburn before he came to Tennessee and now is at Washington State averaging what he was at Auburn. So it just makes you wonder, you know, if the talent's being used right and you got to factor in all that when it comes to figuring out what you're actually going to do in March because that is the big thing, as you know, TJ. It only matters what you do in March. A hundred percent. And it's funny that you mentioned transfers because I'm not sure if you remember or not, but Bryce Hopkins, he was a five-star for Kentucky last year as a freshman. He played maybe three to four minutes a game, if that. Um, And now he's at Providence, and he's averaging a double-double. And Kentucky could absolutely use that at before uh, this year coming off the bench. Um, You know, it's amazing. It, you know, in some years you look, I got a question for you. Some years you look at the field and you can say, teams one through three, I got them. I'll give you the rest of the field because these three teams are head and above everybody else, head and shoulders above everybody else. This year, I really don't think that there's a team out there that has so far stood out that is just absolutely amazing. I mean, okay, they may be 17 and one, but look who they've played. Do you see. Any teams that you would take, maybe one through three or four, over the entire field? Because well, I, I don't. I think you might have to throw Alabama into that mix. And it, it's usually, you know, historically, and you can attest to this, TJ, it's Kentucky, Kansas, Duke. Every now and again, you could throw North Carolina in that mix. Well, North Carolina and Duke are no longer in that argument. And yep. I think that some of your fans would agree. It's like, you know, with the way things are going up there, you're almost pushing them out of the argument as well now. So it's like, okay, well, there's Kansas. Well, they just about got their lunch ate last night by Kansas State. I don't even remember 
who won that game. Well, they did. They got, Kansas State they got, won. They got beat. Okay, so it's like who – you got a great point, TJ. It's like who do you put in there? It's like, yeah, you could probably put Houston in there. They got the size and the ability to do it, but like you said, who have they played? They've not played anybody. And they're not going to find out what real competition is until they get into the Big 12 next year, you know, having to go up against the likes of Kansas, Kansas State, you know, Texas Tech once they get it rolling there. Oklahoma State pumps out a few NBA players here and there. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they move to the Big 12 for sure. And, you know, something else that we mentioned, you know, having the best players and having the best team, you know, and TJ, you've seen this multiple times with Coach Cal. He's had the best team in the country multiple times, and he's not done it. He's not got it done. And that's why I love the randomness of the tournament because you look at 2015 when Kentucky went 38-0, and or I should say 38-1. and I mean, if, you know, I think everyone in America, if Kentucky would have been able to get past Wisconsin, because Wisconsin was just a bad matchup. They had Frank Kamenetsky. You know, they didn't have a big guy who can control him. They had that guard. I forgot who that guard was that they had, but he was just a pure – he reminded you of a J.J. Reddick, the white kid who just shoots three-pointers, and that's all he's out there for. He T.J., that entire Wisconsin else. team was white. Oh, brother. <laughs> hey, look, they they would just beat you, and I tell you what, there's not a person out there who would have taken Duke that year over that Kentucky team. And I'll leave you with this, and I'll get off here and listen off the air. What do you think about the nonsense of them upping the teams for the tournament from 68 to 96, I think it is, or 94? What do you think about that? Y'all have a good night. Appreciate the phone call, TJ. Um, First of all, I think that's utterly ridiculous. I think that what it's at right now is a perfect number because everyone wants to say that I'm crazy for my 32-team college football playoff, but it would work and it would create the chaos that you get with March Madness. When you up the teams in college basketball from 68, I think it's at right now, correct? Uh, Yeah, I think you have what? Is four playing. Four, four playing, yeah, so yeah. So yeah. you're upping it from 68 to 90. That's a major jump. And you're adding – I had it in my head. What is it, 12 more games you're adding when you do that? Well, you added, what, 36 more, more teams, you're saying? So you add yeah, – 18? Is it 18 It'd games? be 18 more games. Yeah, 18. I mean, I don't know how So then where happen. do you place them? I yeah. Mean, that's my thing is it's not going to be a bunch of 16 seeds fighting for it and a bunch of 15 seeds fighting for it. But that's like where do you place them? Do you place them, you know, with the sixth seed or do you place them with the 11 seed? Like what are you doing? Like how are we determining where this is going to go? Right now, I mean, unless it's even across the board, then it, no, it does not need to be touched. No. At all. No. I was going to ask TJ before you – let off, but uh, the whole platoon thing, I mean, that's become Cal's thing. We has five in, bring five out. Right. I, I don't know how, does he still feel that way? Is, is that how Cal should play? Or you never know. Because Kentucky has all the talent in the world. But they, it's a matter yeah, of... That's the thing, is they have all the talent that they could ever want and more. And they're getting more next year. And that's like we had talked about Reed Shepard, the guy out of uh, London, Kentucky, I believe it is, right up the road. He might end up being one of the best players on that roster. Everyone thinks I'm crazy when I say that, but what was Tyler Hero? Tyler Hero was the lowest-ranked recruit coming out of that class that he was in, and what happened to him? He's now a key player for the Miami Heat. And he may or may not have got a Mercedes given to him when he's at Kentucky, but that's neither here nor there. That's just how it was, man. 
how it is. I mean, you have to look at the squads. I mean, Kentucky, I mean, we've talked about this all year. Kentucky has all the talent in the world. It's, would you rather have that 10-man rotation or are you going to find that six to eight guys to where they can get you? I mean, I don't know what Kansas rotation last year was, but I'm assuming it was probably seven men because I know. I think it was eight. It was eight, yeah. I think cause, so. Yeah, because Rudy Morton, I mean, came off the bench, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. He played most of the minutes, though. So, I mean, those six to eight guys you find, you usually find that those teams go farther in the tournament. Absolutely. And, Logan, you know, what do you make of all this? You know, the 68 teams potentially going up to 90. No, I agree with you. I'm, I don't want any more. Like, right. it's a perfect number, like you said. It's just more um, games for me to bet on is all it is at right, that point. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. More I money just, I can lose. Yeah, not not a fan of expanding the uh, the basketball tournament. And, Bryson, you had a take on this as well. And it just never – I still can't make it make sense in my head. I can make a 32-team football playoff make sense, but I cannot make a 90-team NCAA March Madness tournament make sense. Yeah, I think it's pretty laughable to say the least. But um, uh, we talked about this on the show a couple weeks ago, and uh, – the co-chair of this committee was actually Greg Sankey, funny enough. Of course. So, of course. Yeah, I just think it's absolutely nonsense. <laughs> well, and, you know, we make a big deal. Like, if you do get into the NIT, you want to win the NIT, right? Now, you look at the NIT, what do you do with it? I mean, that's basically a wasteland more than what it already is at this point. If you make it 90 teams. Because you're taking basically everyone that would be in the NIT and then bringing them over into the big dance. Would you take on more mid-majors, like some of those second-place teams? I'd and love so it. you would have to because otherwise you're going to get teams well under 500 yeah. <laughs> out of the SEC, Big yeah. 12, those types of conferences. Would and you? I don't really want to see that. I don't want to see uh, Jerry Stackhouse as the 90th seed. <laughs> 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 That'd be terrible. I, I agree with you 100%. That'd be absolutely awful but you know you mentioned mid majors that's something i would love to see now if it gets more of them in okay yeah i'm willing to listen but i know what they're going to do they're going to get like take last year for example a team that should have made it texas a&m that didn't make it they got absolutely screwed and then you have joe lenardi piping it up it's like oh well this is factored in this factored in this factored in well they made it to sunday they made it to the sec championship game why are they not in well, Sunday games don't matter. It's like, okay, well, pick one, man. It's like, is it this or is it that? Tell me what it is. And he can never give you a direct answer, much like the college football playoff committee. And that's just infuriating to me, infuriating to you, infuriating to every fan of you know both sports, in a sense, just because you know there's no set guidelines. I mean, The yeah. only set guideline is if you win your conference, you're in. I mean, Joe Lenoy comes out once a year. You don't see him for 10 months out of a year. No, if you want to see him anymore, you go to a Chinese buffet or any yeah. kind of pizza buffet he, so he can stuff all, his face. All he does is put on a suit and a tie, and then he sits he there. He can't fit in a suit. Why do you think he's never wearing a suit jacket? Because he can't <laughs> fit in one. He just sits there and comes out once a year, and then whenever you ask him a question, he kind of just deflects from the question. And, I mean, I don't know why we – I mean, yeah, I mean, you can tell me the number, number one seeds are, obviously – but, I mean, his reasoning behind anyone else is absolutely just abysmal. There's no answer he ever gives. Did you all get a chance to see his bracket that he made last year? That's what I was going to say. Was it last year that he was so hard-pressed against Tennessee? Yes. Yes, yes. And it was one of those things, too. If you look at the uh, bracket pick em, and everybody's brackets get thrown into this one. Like, you can be a part of a group, but your bracket also gets thrown into this. 
So you go to Joe Lenardi's, and he is like bottom tier, like in the 80th percentile. And I don't know how I came up with this last year. I'm going to toot my own horn for a second here. And Russell was dumbfounded that this actually happened. So in my bracket, I was in the top 1% in the nation with my bracket last year. My entire Midwest region was 100% correct. 100%. I picked the 10-seed upset, the 11-seed upset. Every game picked perfect up to the Final Four. Pretty impressive. Do you not get paid out for that? No. No, it has to be a lot. Or, or does it have to be perfect or the absolute number one? The entire bracket I, has to be I perfect. I think it has, okay. yeah, it has to be perfect down to, what, the national championship score, too? Yes. Yeah. Which is almost impossible. Yeah, I mean, you, you're not ever going to tell me that's going to ever be corrected. Now, imagine if I would put that into a parlay. <laughs> I, I, would not be, I would not be talking to y'all right now. I'll tell you that much. I'd be on a beach somewhere. I'd be down at... Orange Beach, probably at Florabama, eating Royal Reds if they're in season. Some potatoes, some corn. Hopefully they had a crumble cookie nearby. That'd be great. I'm trying to think of in my head how many games that is for just a region to have a region. That's it. 16 so it'd plus be eight. 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 Be eight. You got or, 16 teams, so it'd me, be yeah. eight games. Eight, eight, four. Twelve. Or eight. Yeah, eight plus four, 12. Plus two more. 14. Plus one more. 15. Yeah, 15 games, yeah. Yeah, man, that's... Uh... That would have been a hell of a payout. <laughs> and not to mention, the money lines on those upsets. Yeah, that's basically a 15-leg parlay. Yeah. Essentially. Was that Miami's region? Yes. Okay. You had Miami in the Final Four? Wow. Wow, hey, man. All right, congratulations to you, man. I mean, they're the mountain. There was thing. no, like, logic behind these picks either. <laughs> like, that's the thing is there was absolutely no logic behind it. Sometimes you have to take logic out of it, though, when it comes to March Madness. So, and this is what's funny about March Madness is we're sitting here in college. We had this class. It was Media 4800. And our teacher, she was like, let's find every way that we could possibly make these picks. And it got to the point where she told me before class, she's like, before you leave your fraternity house, I need you to grab two solo cups and a ping pong ball. And that's how we're going to decide who wins. I'm like, all right. That one wasn't bad. That was the second best one. And then she was like, I need you to call the dumbest person you know. I was like, what? She's like, call the dumbest person in your contacts and have them pick a bracket. And the dumbest person in my contacts had the best bracket out of any of us. And any method that we had, like we were shooting into a trash can, like trying to figure this out, the dumbest person in my contacts had the best bracket. Science. Yeah, I mean... It's really, I mean, there's really no – it's just all luck at the end of the day. I mean, that's all it is. It's all luck. I mean, how many, how many people picked Kentucky to lose against St. Peter's last year? Nobody. I, I, think, I didn't. I think it was less than like 2% of people's brackets. I mean, how many people would ever have picked UMBC to upset Virginia? I don't think anybody did. I don't think anyone did either. No. So it's like you never know what's going to happen with it. No. The, um, the madness – and there's a reason we call it March Madness. The madness behind all this is incredible. We're going to see if we can get Davis connected here in just a minute. Stay with us. Overtime continues. More Fan Run Radio on the way.
Back here on Overtime Fan Run Radio, Logan Quentin has left the building and left us with some delicious cookies. The Oreo cookie, gone. Honey bun, about gone. Raspberry donut, it's going to be gone. Hmm. Did you try that cowboy one? I'm allergic to uh, tree nuts. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I really wanted to. Like, he was hitting all the right notes. Semi-sweet chocolate chip, coconut flakes. I wanted to try it so bad. Matthew's over there wagging that finger like my dog wags its tail. What's up, buddy? Jaden Machado has been released from his NIL at Florida six minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Of course. More drama. More drama surrounding the University of Florida. I knew earlier today that he had requested a release from his NLI. And this was all factoring into the NIL debate as to whether or not he was actually going to get the $13 million that he had been promised, that was a big, fat, nothing burger. I, I'm not surprised by any means. That was absolutely a joke. J-O-K-E. A joke. Yeah, I mean, go ahead and add, the last, add that to the list of things you hate to see. <laughs> I mean, there's been so much drama around the University of Florida. With the firing of Dan Mullen, bringing in Billy Napier, going 6-6 six and six in his first season, and then get absolutely torched against Oregon State. And the thing is, if they had missed that field goal, and I was hoping they would, that would have been Florida's first shutout in over 20 years. And I was all for it. It might have even been 30 years. Well, I'd say they're they're at a big-time low right now. Um I've been on their message boards all day because it's been hilarious. But uh, so they went. Obviously, uh, Walker Howard committed to Ole Miss today. But uh, they're finally starting to look at that Graham Mertz highlights from Wisconsin. And let's just say they're not very happy. Um, they say they they've at least got a good O line, and they do have two really good running backs. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see them be like a seventy, eighty percent run team this year. I mean, that's all they're going to have. Right. They're, they're not going to have anything else. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing with Florida. They are not going to have a quarter. They're not going to have a quarterback. Everybody's no. either transferred out, got dismissed, Anthony Richardson going pro. And that's another thing that we're going to bring up at some point. And I think we got Davis on the line. Um, Anthony Richardson, yeah, he might have the body. He might have the arm. He might have the ability to be an NFL quarterback. But from what we saw this year, somebody's going to lose their job in a front office somewhere. And it's going to be the same situation with the person who drafts Will Levis. Somebody is going to lose their job over this. Davis, I think you'd agree with that. We have Davis. Hit the button. I, I have hit the button. He's in. All righty. Cannot connect with Davis right now. But, you know, Matthew, I think that's something you would agree with is, you know, when you look at Florida's quarterback situation – that they are not going to be probably not any better. They might be worse than what they were this previous season. I would assume, yeah, I would agree with that. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. You talk about imploding. Yeah. This is the example, the prime example of a football program imploding, a team that has national championships. 
I think they have what three. Ninety six, oh six, and oh eight. I think four. They have four. I think so. I thought they only had three. Regardless, I mean, this is a place that has national championships, and this is a place that's pretty easy to recruit to. I mean, we've said it time and time again. Billy Napier should be able to take his seven iron to the roof of whatever building his office is in and hit a five-star. You got IMG right down the road. There are a couple other prep schools in the state of Florida. You have no excuse as to why you shouldn't at least be a 9-10 to win football team every year. So with that being said, when does Florida make a move on Billy Napier? Do they pull the trigger after this year? I mean, if you don't see, I mean, if they don't see any improvement. I improvement. I I would assume they would. When you look at their recruits, they got coming in, and it's like they're not that far behind Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You look at the talent composite; it's like they're not that far behind. It's like what is going on? Yeah, you're exactly right about the national championships. They do have three, but yeah, no, I agree. I mean. They have all the talent in the world in their backyard. And, you know, back to the Anthony Richardson thing that we were talking about a couple of minutes ago, you know, I don't really think that they under, understood what they had in him. I mean, we saw what he did to Tennessee. I think that he had him in him, had it in him. And I don't think that, uh, you know, they did him any favors on the play calling side of things. I mean, I think – I think – I mean, I think he's going to be a top five – I mean, I know he's going to be a top-five quarterback draft pick, but I think he's got the talent to do that, and I think he has the talent to really be good in the league. And it's all going to depend on whether or not he can do it at the next level. Let's go back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Martin is next. What do you say, Martin? Hey, you're not Jake. Pretty good, Martin. I got me some cookies. Yeah. Jake? Martin. Who is a defensive back we're recruiting out of BYU by the last name of Josh? Sorry, you cut out there for a second, Martin. What's going? What'd you say? You look it up for me, please. I think we've lost Martin. Martin, if you can hear me, call back in just a second. Matthew will try to get you reconnected. Something is going on with our phone lines right now. I'd like to know what it is. So there is a defensive lineman out of BYU that we are trying to get. I guess he's entered the transfer portal. Bryson, if you don't care, could you look that up for me? Um, Josh Eipel continuing to make moves in the transfer portal, and hopefully that continues into next season. Of course, we mentioned yesterday Nico Iamaliava getting ranked number one in the on-three recruiting rankings, a major stepping stone for Tennessee going out and being able to say, hey, we have the number one guy. We have the number one guy in the class of 2023. That is incredible. That is beyond incredible considering the mess that Josh Eiple has inherited and what he's got, you know, coming back, dealing with everything like that. It's going to be very great when we do finally get the full-blown hype train rolling. Matthew, I think you got something for me. Yeah, if Morton, if Morton was the last name, it was Gillis. If you're still listening, Nathaniel Gillis, the DB from uh, BYU, is – he came. He says he came to BYU's as a uh, developmental defensive back prospect. He opted to transfer after not seeing the field this season. So there's that one. I mean, there's a handful of DBs. There's two more DBs that are on that transfer from BYU. Mm-hmm. There's a guy named Corbin Green, and then Gabe Judy Lally, also as well. Uh, Bob Kessling would have fun with that name. <laughs> What you got, Bryce? I got a D-line transfer, Isaiah Perez. Four years of eligibility, transferring after his freshman year. He's 6'3", 280. Doesn't have any stats. I don't think he appeared in any games last year. So. 
Gotcha. Martin, if you're still listening, give a quick shout out to our guys, Matthew and Bryson, for getting the information, as I always trust them to do. Oh, man. I'm trying to figure out which cookie I want next. You see them all, man. See them all. Uh, okay, you do realize that I woke up this morning, I stepped on the scale, and I'm like, nope, we're not going to touch 200, so I'm going to start eating healthier. And then an Oreo cookie gets just thrown in my face. It's like, oh, well, I love Oreos. I got to eat that. You think I'm going to sit here and eat every last one of these cookies? Hey, man, I'm, I don't know. People do it. I mean, I'm not one of those people that will do it, but people will do it. Oh, I know they will. Trust me. I know. <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, go back to the whole Florida thing. It's kind of funny. Yeah. The whole $13 million price tag. That was way too much to begin with. I mean, I mean, I mean, you said it. I mean, we saw reports last year how, um, one, one, wasn't uh, Billy Napier asking for donors last yeah. year? Yeah, he was asking for donors. Yeah. And that's, uh, <sighs> if you can't get your alumni and your collectives on board enough, to make the donation that you need when you know that they're paying it under the table anyway. Why not just make the donation to the collective and they'll get you the players that you need. And Billy Napier, obviously, he's just an old football coach. Like, he's not the likes of Butch Jones. He's not the likes of, you know, even Josh Heupel. He's just an old football coach. It's his way or the highway. You know, kind of like Jeremy Pruitt. And eventually that's going to be his downfall. I hate to be that way. And, you know, is it bad that I want Florida to keep Billy Napier? I want him to keep him bad. I mean, he's a born in Cookville, Tennessee. He grew up in the Upper Cumberland. I hope that he stays there. I hope that he makes Florida a career job. Which, I mean, the thing is, if he gets fired, he's going to win the lottery on the way out. And I think we got Martin back. Let's get him back in here. Got you, Martin. It's Jake. Martin. Who's the defensive back out of BYU? BYU were looking at, and a defensive lineman out of BYU were looking at. Uh, it's Nathaniel Gillis is the DB that's out of BYU that I think we're looking at right now. And then, Bryson, you've got the defensive lineman. Yep, the D-lineman would be Isaiah Perez. He entered the portal two days ago, uh, coming out of his freshman year, so he's got, still got four years left of eligibility. What about the, uh, what about the, the defensive back? How many years he got? Uh, I said he didn't see the field, so I'm assuming he probably has three to four more years as well. Yeah, so we can get yes, a full, full money's worth out of that. What's the defensive lineman's name again? Isaiah Perez. All right, I appreciate you, boys. Hey, we appreciate you, Martin. Martin got what he wanted, and he got on out. I'm sure Martin's <laughs> having something good tonight. I'd assume so. i assume so as well. Oh, man. What do you think he's having? What do I think Martin's having? Martin loves navy beans and cornbread. Martin, I think at one point he called in and he said, I think he said he had chicken and dumplings. Good home cooked meals. Those aren't meals that you can go and get right down the road. No, Martin's eating good. We don't ever have to worry about Martin. Apparently not. Apparently <laughs> not when it comes to chicken and dumplings. Oh, yeah. My grandfather loved chicken and dumplings, so. Now, my grandmother, she can make some good ones. What is it? Like, what's in it? I never had them, so. It's like biscuits, chicken, whatever sauce that is. Okay. Yeah. Never, never tried to learn how to do that. No, never, and I've never had them either, so. I'll tell you what, I can cook a damn good lasagna, though. <laughs> lasagna is one of the best things ever. I like good lasagna. 
I usually just get the pre-cooked ones, you know. I'll just go to Sam's Club, throw them in the oven. Yeah. Yeah. You ever had a little hamburger helper? You never heard the joke, did you? No. <laughs> You've not heard the running joke about me being allergic to hamburger helper because it has soy in it. <laughs> ah, big soy guy. Okay, so, goodness. So, Billy Stats brings some cookies to the office once. And he's like, here you go, guys, have at it. And not putting the two together, I just come out and say, Billy, I don't think I should eat those. I found out last night that I can't have hamburger helper because I'm allergic to it. And they start dying laughing. I'm like, what? They probably have soy in it. Hamburger helper has soy in it. And that's why I'm allergic to it. And they're like, yeah, but you had to go to your neighbor's house to get there. And instead of just walking over to your neighbor's house, you took a trip to the bus station and then caught a plane and then caught the plane back and then went to your neighbor's house. Huh? Took me a long way to get to the point as well. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I was very confused on what you were meaning, but so you can't eat soy. I'm allergic to soy. So what? Deathly. Oh, so it's like um, you like you can still can you still be? I guess you can. Can you be around soy like soybeans? Yeah. Okay, so it's not like it's in the room like some people have with peanuts. Yeah. And we will talk about my allergies in the next hour, if you so please. That's going to do it for hour number one. Hour number two of Overtime coming up right here on Fan Run Radio.